Thank you, Royce. Can we honor Royce and the band for their leadership of us this morning? Thank you all. Well, good morning to those of you that are in the room and those of you that are watching online. If you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as one of the elders and pastors here, and uh, we are continuing in our series this morning on a series called Gifted and Going For It, and uh, looking at spiritual gifts and helping to equip in spiritual gifts. And just by way of introduction, uh, if you would turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, while you're turning there, can we celebrate the Cincinnati Bengals winning a road playoff game for the first time ever? Many of you know that I'm a longtime Cowboys fan. Thanks. So I, but I feel like I'm kindred spirits with the Cincinnati fans, <laughs> since we have not won in forever. So I'm, I'm, I'm a local guy, like every place that I've lived, we lived in Memphis, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I support the local team, so uh, I am rejoicing with you all in this. Now you may say, Jamie, come on now, don't, don't pander, don't, don't, don't do Cincinnati Bengals now, we're trying to preach, we're trying to do a message. Here's the tie-in, for real, for real. I was watching both the games uh, late last night and then yesterday afternoon. Uh, what's beautiful about uh, team sport, but certainly football specifically, is do you realize how much time and training and discipline and teaching that happens week in and week out so that for 60 minutes there's a game that happens and all the execution that happens? You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of what I would call discipleship that's happening so that when we see something when you see something for an hour and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe that offensive lineman missed that block again there's a failure in discipleship and teaching are y'all hearing me <laughs> and then when things are executed well it, it shows that teaching has happened discipleship has happened and it's not just getting the information it's living out the information Listen, football players, these are, these are brilliant men playing this game. They know all the X's and O's, but can you execute on the field? And what we're talking about today, we've been going through APEST, Apostolic, Prophetic, Evangelist, Shepherd, and Teacher. We're looking, looking at the teaching ministry gift this morning. And the big thing, the, one of the big ideas that I want you to take away right now in North American culture, when we think about teaching, we think primarily about information dispensing. But the Bible has nothing to do with that kind of concept about teaching. In the, in the uh, Jewish conception of learning, it is not just the X's and O's. You've got to go on the field and play. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> But in our culture, oftentimes we feel good because we got the information, but we don't actually do anything with the information. So we're, we're content to sit and listen and learn and get fat up here, 
but not actually execute what we've learned. So that's what we're going to look at today. Ephesians chapter 4. We're continuing a series on spiritual gifts. I want to make a couple of announcements um, as, as we're starting this. <clears throat> because Jesus, he was called, one of his titles was he was called the teacher, right? The teacher, rabbi. And his disciples, mathetes is the Greek word for disciple. That word literally means pupil or learner. So follow me. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, what, what does Jesus say? Go make learners. And, he, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing like this. It's a keep going. So we're teaching so, people so they become teachers. And the teachers are finding other learners and they're teaching, teaching, teaching. The entire Great Commission is a teaching commission. And that's a strong value in our church. In fact, one of our four priorities for this year is the question, who's next? Which is us looking for who's ne- who, can, who can I train to do what I do in the church or in my place of business or in my home? What do I know that I can transfer, teach another person to do? So it's a value that we have. So I want to encourage you. We have our women's retreat. The deadline for signing up for that is today. That retreat is in two weekends from now. It's a wonderful opportunity to learn. <laughs> I have great teaching from Liz Baker. Is she here this morning? Second service? So Liz is going to be teaching. So ladies, please sign up for that. Right there in the lobby, you can sign up for that. It's in two weekends from now. De- deadline is today. Second thing related to teaching, we have a discipleship survey that we have every year, other than a weird COVID year. We didn't have it that year. Um, but it is online, available, and we're asking everyone in the church family to take that survey. You can go to, literally go to the website. There's a button that says, take survey. Click on it, 10 minutes, you're done. But that helps us as leaders, as elders, as pastors, to understand, are we teaching well? And it gives you a chance to give us feedback. So please, would you take that survey and help us with that? Anything else that I need to say? Nope, that's it. Okay, teaching ministry, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, four parts to this message. Number one, what is Paul saying in this passage? Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, what is he saying? Number two, how does teaching ministry work in the body? Number three, some practical suggestions and dangers to avoid, and then we are going to pray and sing and, um, and then finish. So that's in four parts. So let me pray for us, and we'll go after the text. Father, we honor you here in this place. And Jesus, we tell you that you are the boss. You are the king. We yield to you. We look to you. And I ask that you would help us to be like Mary, sitting at your feet as a learner, a pupil, a mathetes, a disciple. Jesus, you are the teacher, you are the rabbi. And I ask that you would make us learners of you today. And Holy Spirit, you are the one sent by Jesus to teach us. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. You come and speak, 
open eyes to the truth of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. What is Paul saying? It's funny, verses 11 to 16 are one giant sentence in the Greek. Did you know that? Verses 11 to 16 are one giant sentence. Some might say a run-on sentence. Paul can be accused of doing that multiple times. Verse 11 through 16, one giant sentence, and that one giant sentence, I'm going to summarize it, is saying this. These ministry gifts are given by Jesus for a purpose, for a time, as spiritual parents multiply the family under Christ. That's what Paul says in that sentence. We're just going to look at each of these. What he's saying. So here we go. I'll read. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he, that is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, still the same sentence, right? <laughs> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Somebody say grow up. We are to grow up in every way into who? Him who is the head into Christ, sentence is still going, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The first question is, why are the, why, what is given? It's five ministries, verse 11. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We've been spending the last five weeks going through these, and today we're looking at teachers. Second question, why are they given? Verse 12, to equip. Everybody say equip. To equip. To equip means to bring something or someone to the point of completion. To bring something or someone up to the point of completion. To equip who? The saints, that is, the holy ones, that is, the church, the believers, the followers of Christ, to equip these saints for what? The work of ministry, the task, the responsibility, the service of ministry. Why? For building up the body of Christ. Again, it's that, uh, it's that um, building a house, it's architectural language. Slab, framing, drywall. It's, it has a building concept. All this ministry is for building up the body of Christ. And you say, okay, what, what, what's the big deal there? Well, he says that these ministries are given to equip who? The pastors and leaders? Who, who are we equipping? Us. Usins. I don't even know if that's real, but you know what I'm saying. Us, us folk. Do you know, and it's so interesting because we live in a culture that is, is driven by, um, by outsourcing. Did you know this? 
we live in a culture that says you should value your time so you should pay people to do things that you don't want to do right is that true we value outsourcing you know what happens when that culture seeps into the church what happens is people will say well i gave my tithe so that those leaders can do the work of ministry for me i don't say it but i do it are y'all hearing me (laughs) so like literally we're like i'm outsourcing ministry i'm gonna pay these people to go do ministry i'm outsourcing evangelism because it makes me feel really awkward i'm gonna pay this person to evangelize but paul paul seems to indicate that actually these ministry gifts are to equip everybody to do the work of ministry it's not an outsourcing it's an equipping all of us to do it does that make sense okay before i get preaching i need to i need to move on So it's a weird thing that happens in churches. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and preach anyway. It's a weird thing that happens in churches. Is people say, we need to reach young people, so let's hire somebody to reach young people. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> well, you know, we, we can't find volunteers for the children's ministry, so we better just hire some. We got to pay people to Paul's going to use the image of family. See, when you outsource, that doesn't feel like family. That feels like business. And I'm not hating on business, by the way. I think, I think kingdom marketplace is an amazing thing. So I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying, are we family or are we outsourcing religious services? Religious goods and services. I'm, I'm going to pay my tithe so I can get some religious goods and services done for me. These ministry gifts are to equip the saints all y'all and me to do the work of ministry all right let's keep going how long how long is this supposed to be happening and and the reason i'm I'm pointing this out is we are a a word-centered culture here we're a word-centered people and word-centered church we also believe in being word and spirit together but many of us come from a background that is primarily word not spirit and this passage makes word people nervous they don't know what to do with apostles and prophets highly word-centered people are like do we really need the apostles and prophets? this is weird man right and then we'll, we'll come up with like theologies of well the apostles passed away because the bible you know it came blah 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 no there's no prophets we got the bibles blah 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 this text says apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers are here to equip the saints for the work of ministry until when until when verse 13 apostles and prophets are around until when verse 13 until we all attain to the what unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to mature (laughs) manhood and womanhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ so follow me if you say apostles and prophets are not around today that means you believe that we have achieved the mature stature of christ anybody anybody voting for that i have not achieved the mature stature of christ okay i'm I'm gonna put it out there that means we still need apostolic ministry and prophetic ministry okay 
I got to keep going. Got to keep going. So for how long until we achieve the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? But why again? Let's give another illustration, Paul says, verses 14 and 15. Now why? Why would we want to be mature Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. So now he introduces a family illustration. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So Paul shifts his analogy from building a, a building to a family where you have, you have kiddos that are growing up in knowledge and in maturity. Why? Because there were false teachers. So a little bit of background. Paul, in almost all of his letters, is dealing against false teachers. So false teachers were coming into these churches that were planted, and they were saying things about Jesus that were not true. And so Paul is attacking false teachers, and he's, he's saying, y'all need, need teachers in your midst to grow up so that when you hear a false teacher, you go, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And you're not tossed. Like when someone comes in and says, oh, by the way, I just, I just had a dream. Jesus came to me in the dream. He says, he's not the Messiah. You should follow me, right? <laughs> Yuck! So everyone who's mature and knows the scriptures goes, nah, I don't think so. Bye-bye. And they expel them from their midst. Are you all hearing me? That's, that, this is the concept here. How many of you know in our culture right now, there are all kinds of worldviews that compete against the Christian worldview? There are all kinds of worldviews. And by the way, if you're on social media at all, you are bombarded with at least 25 plus worldviews that are not speaking Christ. So it is important that we understand the scriptures, we understand who God is, what he has done, what the story of scripture says, so that we don't go on social media, read another worldview that is not Christ's worldview and go, whoo, that feels good, because I'm being blown along by winds of doctrine. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It's so important. This is why teachers are so important, because the teachers regularly are, are saying, look at what the word says. Look at what the word says. I know you saw it on social media. I know, but what does the word say? I know it sounds right that someone can just decide for themselves, but what does the word say? Are y'all hearing me this morning? You need teachers. Otherwise, the church goes, oh, we should, we should just follow this Messiah. Whew. Oh, we should just do this. Blown back and forth instead of Jesus and what he says. And then they just stand. Jesus is here. This is where I'm going to be. Is that hard? Yes. Because there are winds of worldviews going like this all the time. This is why the teaching ministry is so important. Because the teaching ministry says, I understand, but what does Jesus say? I get it that that sounds right, but what does Jesus say? I get it that's what your daughter thinks, but what does Jesus say? I get it that's what grandparents are saying, but what does Jesus say? I get it that's what the politician says, but what does Jesus say? Are y'all... Jesus is here and when the wind comes I got Jesus it's what he says <sighs> Jesus it's a big deal because <laughs> we go to school we go to work we look on social media and there are all kinds of worldviews 
and would be happy to toss you to and fro. What is the good story that we're to hold on to? You can look at a culture and a worldview and you can say, how do they answer the question, what saves me? That tells you what that worldview is after. And teachers are going, but this is the answer to what saves you. So there's this image. Okay, I got to keep going. There's this growing up thing that's happening. Kiddos. And by the way, in a church family, this isn't necessarily about age. It's about being a new believer. Listen, you can be 65 and just come to the faith and be a kiddo in the faith. Are y'all hearing me? You could also be 15 and no more because you've been a believer and studying for the last five, 10 years. So this is not about age. It's about knowledge and walking the way of Christ. So as a church family, there, each of us is a little bit further following Jesus than another person. And we're encouraging, come on, this is what I just learned about Jesus. He's awesome, come here. You see that? The, but it's a family that's doing it together rather than, I know so much and you don't. Sorry. No, it's that you don't know this one thing that I just learned. Come here. It's not a place of arrogance. It's just, I just learned this in the scriptures. It's awesome. Like Royce was talking about his Bible reading. I just learned this in the scriptures. It's awesome. Who can I tell? You? Come here. Come here. Okay, let me show this to you. I just saw this this morning. This is awesome. That is the teaching ministry. A lot of times we love like curriculum. Well, you got to go through session one first, brother. Then session two, then session three. Yep. Yes. I love curriculum. I mean, we're doing, a, we're doing a series on spiritual gifts that's like six months long. I get it. I'm, I'm pro that. But we stifle family teaching ministry when we don't value. I just learned something this morning. Who can I tell right now? It's not a part of a curriculum. It's not in some Bible study my small group's doing. But I got to teach somebody this right now. Okay, I'm, I'm really preaching now. Okay. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Finally, who's the boss? Who's the bo Jesus. Is that over here? That's what I'm talking about, teaching ministry of the church. Huh? Who's the boss? All right, okay. I can skip that point, because that was awesome. But he says... It's all about Jesus. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's interesting, nothing about church growth in this passage. At least not the church growth that we think about in the Western church. There's nothing here. Well, you gotta get your metrics up because you gotta make sure people are in the... It doesn't... Well, you gotta make sure the tithes are coming in. It's not in the text. We, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus is the boss. The pastors and the elders are not the boss of MCC. We don't 
the pastors and elders and the staff and other leaders, we don't get to decide what MCC does. Is that surprising to anyone? We don't get to decide. Jesus decides. And we, this is one of our priorities we've been looking at, which is to lead open-handed. It's been our way as leaders and as a church family to say, we want Jesus to be the boss. That means Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. That's why we had some services. First Sunday of the year, I did not preach at all in the second service because Jesus was doing something else, and Jesus gets to be the boss. So that means I'm not going to preach a message if Jesus says we're going to do this. I'm like, yes, sir, because you're the boss. I'm the hired gun for Jesus. <laughs> right? This is, this is what the Bible is saying. He's the we're all growing up into him. We're not growing up into what another church in the city that looks really big that we want to be like. No, no, we're growing up into him, Christ. So he gets to be the boss. He gets to say, like, I want your worship service to go like this, 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 this. And oh, by the way, the second service, I may choose to, for it to be different. And we go, yes, sir, because you're the boss. <laughs> All right. Second part, how does teaching ministry work in the body? This will be fairly quick. I just want to move through this. How does teaching ministry work in the body? We had a picture um, of the cycle that Dennis used. And we've already kind of talked through this, but just as you see that the apostles are working, they're doing new work, they're taking new ground, the prophets are coming in and hearing what God is saying to us in the midst. Evangelists are going and sharing with others, bringing others so they can hear this good news about Jesus when these folks are coming into faith, they're coming into faith in Christ, they become a, a new creation, a part of the family, the shepherds are there engaging with them. I want you to feel loved, I want, to feel, I want you to feel um, together as a family, we want to bring healing and restoration to your life. And then you have teachers who go, as we're growing up, the teachers are saying, this is what the word says, this is what Jesus says. Because as you're growing up, you need some sort of plumb line Everyone's got a plumb line. Everyone's got a worldview. So the teachers are going, this is our worldview. This is what he says. And then as that body grows, then you have the apostles go, what new ground can we take? What new ministry can we do? What new place can we go where the gospel has not been preached? And they go and do a new thing. And then the cycle happens again. So important what teachers do in the body. Next slide is, um, I, I talked about this last time when I was talking about prophets. Look at teachers. The focus is on the word, on learning. And they're asking the question, is everyone growing in understanding? Is everyone growing in understanding? Are we, as a family, are we understanding what the word says? And are we living our lives according to it? But these five have to work together rather than singularly focused. So if the apostles are just doing apostle stuff and they're not honoring the other four, then the apostles get out of bounds and get in trouble. And if the shepherds are just going, we just want to make sure everyone feels loved, right? It's all about loving people. Because I'm leaning as a shepherd. I'm leaning towards this ministry. I just want people to feel loved. Well, when the apostle and the prophet goes, I think God is saying we should change this ministry right here and do this thing. The, the shepherd's are like, no, it'll make the flock feel nervous because we're changing things, right? But there's got to be an honor. 
And the prophets and apostles can't be like, oh my gosh, you're always wanting to love on the people. Like, let's go do something awesome for God, right? And dishonoring the shepherds. And acting like, oh my gosh, you're just obsessed with like counseling these people. It's like, come on, let's go do something else, right? Or if we don't listen to the teachers, we just come up with what, we had a dream, we had a vision. So in the vision, it says that our church needs to go do this thing. No. (laughs) What does the word say? This is what happens when we don't honor teachers. Okay, last point. I want to make some practical suggestions. I love teaching. It is a a gift of mine. Um, It is a, a passion of mine. And I've made a lot of these mistakes that I'm about to go through. So I want to share these as a way for us to just think practically about this teaching ministry gift. First question, who or what do you really love? For for all the teaching, and and by the way, something I didn't say that I probably should say, there are some who are gifted, have the gift of teaching. We've been saying this in the other spiritual gifts, but I just want to make it explicit here. There are some who are gifted with the gift of teaching. They actually have a role in the church to be a public teacher in the church. But not everyone has that role. And not everyone has that gift. But we are all called to teach. We've been saying that about all these gifts. I just want to make it explicit here. Because there are passages that say, not many of you should desire to be teachers, right? Because you'll be held to stricter account. And, and that's talking about the role, the function of elder, pastor, public teacher in the midst, okay? And so I, I don't have time to go into all that. I'm just, I, I just want to make sure that's clear. But then we're all called to teach. We're, we're all called to develop each other in the body. Okay. So first question, who, what do you really love? And here's the danger that I'm pressing on for all the, all the teachers in the room and all those that are doing teaching, love teaching, love studying the Bible, love looking at commentaries, love going through messages, love studying and teaching the Bible. Here's the danger, and I have done this so often, that's why I'm targeting it. Here's the danger. The danger for the teachers is when we love the written word more than the incarnate word. dangerous when I love studying the Bible more than encountering Jesus in the Bible. It's the the danger of having a heart that feels proud that I learned something that I get to tell people and, and impress them rather than I'm learning what it is to walk like this with Jesus, my good shepherd. Are y'all hearing me this morning? It is, it, is a, it is a huge danger, and I have done it. I've read through the Bible year after year after year, like from college on, year after year after year after year after year, New Testament twice, McShane reading program. I've done them all, and I continue to do it. And there were seasons of my life that I loved reading the Bible more than Jesus. And I was proud of the fact that I read through the Bible every year more than I was proud of the fact that Jesus knows me and I know him.
Jesus looked at some of the greatest teachers of his era. This is John chapter 5, verses 39 to 40. He looked at these teachers, said, hey guys, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, Jesus said, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. There is a danger in thinking if I read the word, God loves me and I have eternal life. The gospel says, no, I get to come to the word because there is one who has loved me infinitely on the cross and in the resurrection. I get to be with him. I get to learn about him. I get to engage with him. I get to understand how he loves me and how I am to love him back in the word. So I ask the question, who or what do you really love as a teacher? Do you love the act of teaching more than Jesus? Do you love the study more than Jesus? Do you love the preparation more than Jesus? I want a church family that loves Jesus and are great teachers because they love Jesus and they know the word. Second danger. Which is most important to you? Information or transformation? There's a danger for teachers. There's a danger for church families. When we love information more than transformation. When I loved the act of learning more than the act of being like Christ. When I love the study of ink on a page more than the yieldedness to the blood of the cross. James puts it this way. James chapter 1, verses 22. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So to use a cultural artifact for this. Um, have you heard the term YouTube University? Have you heard this term? YouTube University. You can learn just about anything you want to learn on YouTube. Seriously. You, you, you don't know how to like replace a faucet? YouTube. You don't know how to make a lasagna to impress your girlfriend on the first date? YouTube. You can't think of a present to get your mama? YouTube. And there's a subculture at YouTube, it's really interesting, where people will go onto YouTube, and there's all algorithms, so I'm watching a video, and the YouTube algorithm is like studying my brain, and re realizes, oh, Jamie likes this video, so I'm gonna feed him another video. And then if I watch like, if I watch some random video, now it's feeding me this, I don't, I don't care about that, I just clicked on it. Are y'all with me? Am I the only weirdo? What happens on YouTube is people feel good about watching their videos and watching other people do stuff, but they ain't doing it themselves. I'm happy to watch people cook. I'm like, that is amazing. Look at that. That's amazing. But then I don't cook and eat it myself. Are y'all hearing me this morning? And people just watch video after video after video. People go to Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. I love Liz Baker to death, but women, if you just go and listen to Liz and don't feel transformation by the Spirit of God within you, it's a waste of time. Yeah. 
And by the way, Liz, I love you. There's nothing against Liz. But it will waste your time if you're not willing to be transformed by the word. And we are transformed by the word when we walk out the word. The word says something, and I go, oh, no, I'm not obeying that. You know what? I'm going this way. What I should do, because I read it in the word, I went and heard Liz say this. You know what I should do? Go this way. That's transformation. When the Spirit of God shows you something in the text, you're going this way. The Spirit says, no. Oh, Liz said, okay, this way. Ladies, don't waste your time. Hear me? Hear me? (laughs) Don't waste your time by going on a retreat and not being changed and not being willing to obey what the Word says. And every small group leader, listen, I love every one of y'all to death. You're wasting your small group's time if no one changes. If you're in a small group and you haven't changed, take some responsibility. Go to your small group leader and say, I want to be transformed by the word. I don't want to just listen more. And by the way, if you come Sunday after Sunday and are not being transformed, come after Dennis and me. Let's talk about it. Come after the other teachers. Let's talk about it. We are not to be hearers of the word only, but doers of this word. All right, okay. All right. Okay, next question. Where does authority come from? Oh, this is about to be good. Where does authority come from? Here's the danger. The danger is thinking, as a teacher, my authority comes from my preparation. My authority comes from my degrees. My authority comes from my experience. My authority comes because I have some role in the church. None of those things give you authority to teach. And what I'm talking about, spirit-inspired kingdom teaching. Matthew 7, verses 28 to 29. The Bible says this, When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Follow me. You had the religious teachers that, they, that the crowd was used to hearing teach. They were expert. They had degree. They had PhDs. They memorized the scriptures. They knew how to teach. But Jesus spoke, and the crowd goes, that's a different thing. He's, he's teaching with authority, not as the scribes. Tozer, Tozer would talk about this all the time. He would say, we don't need more preachers who are scribes in the pulpit. We need more preachers who are prophets. And this is how he defined the difference. Scribes, when they teach, they read a commentary about another person who encountered God in the word, they look at those words, and then they parrot the words of someone else's encounter with Jesus in the word. Okay, listen, listen. I can go read a commentary of another dude who had an encounter with Jesus in the word, and if I take that word and put it out of my mouth like this, I am just a scribe. I'm just parroting what another person encountered of Jesus. But Paul, Paul, 
Jesus is saying here, and the crowd is saying, no, 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 I want someone who is teaching from a place where they've encountered Jesus. They've encountered Jesus, and they're teaching from that place. They're not going to a commentary to get what someone else said and then tell you, this is what this other dude said. He's awesome. You want, you want to grow in authority as a teacher? Spend time with Jesus. Be in prayer with Jesus. Consume the word and go after Jesus as hard as you can. You will be a better teacher than reading every commentary on that passage. Now, I'm not hating on commentaries. Listen, I do Greek word studies, for goodness sake. But those are less, they carry less authority because it's someone else's encounter with the word, not my encounter with the word. And by word, I mean Jesus. So, listen, we've all, we have all listened to people teach. And I go, wow, that sounded great. I wonder where he stole that sermon from. This is actually an epidemic in our church. People stealing sermons, not here. But you, I'll sit in a room, I will sit and I'll listen to someone preach. And I know if that person has actually encountered Jesus in that text or whether they've read it from someone else and then telling me what they read. I can, I can feel it. Authority in teaching is not because you have degrees or experience or a role or a position in the church or you studied better than someone else. Authority in teaching comes from practicing the presence of God in the text and then saying what God has said to you in your study of the text. Okay. Now you may say, well, that's Jesus, Jamie. Come on now. Okay. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 when they saw, this is the teachers, the Pharisees, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, idiotes in the Greek. Uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. I would rather you teach from a place of being with Jesus in the text than teach because you're a, you've been a teacher for a long time or you have some sort of degree in teaching. I don't care about those as much as the one who has gazed upon Jesus in the text and then is teaching. Okay, I, I'm just keeping, okay. When are you done learning? <laughs> I'm such an arrogant jerk. I learned this one. There is a point as a teacher where you think to yourself, I got it. I got it. These people, they're blessed to have me because I got it. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. No, it's true that teachers think that and they're arrogant jerks when they do. And I have been one. Y'all are blessed to have me because I'm about to teach you today. <laughs> That's just arrogance, friend. When are you done learning? I got a quick answer for you. Never until you see Jesus face to face. And then you got eternity to learn more about him. Wow. When are we done learning? Never. And then you see Jesus face to face and then you got an eternity to learn more about him. This is why our first priority here is show us who you are. 
As a church family, we are saying, we want more of you, and we are not going to say that we've arrived as people. That there is more of you to learn, there's more of you to encounter, there's more of you to experience. We want more. So the answer, when are you done learning, teacher? Never. Jesus, before he left to go back to the Father, he said, listen, I'm getting ready to go. It's better that I go. They're like, wait, you're the teacher. We're the pupils. What do you mean it's better that you go? It's better that I go. Here's why. Because when I go, I'm going to send another. Another one, like me. Another one. Talks about the Holy Spirit. To dwell within. And he says about this Holy Spirit, he will teach you, listen, all things. That's John 16. John 16. We have, dwelling within us, by faith in Christ, we have the greatest teacher ever dwelling within. There's one thing about teachers. They love to teach. Let me encourage you. Everything you're going through in your life right now is a teaching moment for the Spirit of God within you. Everything. You got COVID? Great. It's a teaching moment. I don't mean great. You know what I'm saying. That's a Romans 8.28 kind of great. All things work together. You got COVID? The Holy Spirit's got something to teach you. Your mama got COVID? Holy Spirit's got something to teach you. You lost your job? Great. Holy Spirit's got something to teach you. I want to encourage you, every moment of every day is a teaching opportunity. You are not done learning. You are not done. When you go to lunch today, when you're eating lunch, you may be eating a sandwich with your kiddo. You may chip a tooth. I'm not, hopefully I'm not speaking prophetically here. I'm like, get some of y'all. You chip a tooth on your salami sandwich, whatever you're eating. Good news, I got good news for you. Holy Spirit wants to teach you something. Like, Jamie, that feels a little, that feels a little... It was a little crass. I don't know. Jesus was teaching stories about loaves and fish. He was teaching stories about all kinds of things. <laughs> you are not done learning. All the teachers in the room, everybody in the room, you're not done learning. Today, there are things to learn. And Jesus is happy to teach you by his spirit today. How about when something happens to you, good or bad, you go, all right, Jesus, uh, why, what do I need to learn about you and me that I can't learn any other way than by going through this thing. You're not done learning. I, I love it so much. Remember when Jesus was sitting across from Nicodemus? He says, listen, buddy, you gotta be born of the Spirit. You gotta be born again. And Nicodemus, by the way, Nicodemus was a stud teacher. Like, like, everybody would have been like, Nicodemus, come on now. I mean, this is, this is elite. This is the elite teacher. Like, if we could get him to come to our synagogue, like, man, that would be awesome. Talk about a conference. Nicodemus is coming. Nicodemus is sitting across from Jesus. Jesus goes, you must be born again. And Nicodemus goes, okay, I got to enter my mom's womb a second time. Like, what? What does Jesus say? I love this text. Oh, goodness. This is John chapter 3. Y'all need to study this one.
Nicodemus says, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel? The teacher of Israel. Stud level. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? He's talking about the Spirit moves and blows wherever he wants to. You're not done learning, and the Holy Spirit wants to teach you today. Finally, what have you learned, and who's next? Because some of you are saying, Jamie, this is great. I have no... I have no delusions of grandeur. I'm not teaching anybody anything. I ain't going to get up on that stage. I'm not going to teach in a small group. I'm not, I don't have the gift of teaching. So this is, you're just blowing, blowing hot air for no reason because I ain't doing that. I don't have the gift. I'm not going to teach. Let me just lovingly say to you, whatever you have learned by the Spirit, you are to teach to others. Whatever you, heard, whatever you heard that you felt your heart burn today, is there a way for you to teach that to somebody else? What have you learned? Paul says things like this. Imitate me as I, what? Imitate Christ. That doesn't sound like a curriculum. That doesn't sound like a 12-step program. That sounds like Paul's going like this. Listen, here's Jesus. I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm not doing it perfect, but I'm just going to follow. Like, there's Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm not a perfect example, but I'm at least an example. Hey, you, come here. Timothy, come here. Copy me. Just walk the way I walk, because I'm walking the way Jesus walked. Let's go like this. Let's go like this. Like this. Like this. Okay, one step, one step. Now, now translate that to the church world. What have you learned from Jesus about your life? And who can you bring alongside? Hey, come here. I just learned this yesterday. I'm going to teach you. Come here. Let's go. You don't need a degree. You need an encounter with Jesus in the Word, and then go teach somebody. Find somebody to teach somebody. What have you learned? And who's next? Jesus said, go and make disciples. Not, if you get a PhD in theology, then you can teach. He said, go and make disciples. All y'all, common, uneducated, idiotes. Go teach. Go make disciples. Literally, this, this is how I would approach my Bible reading for the year. This is how I approach my Bible reading for the year. I open the Bible. I read the text. I'm asking Jesus, show me who you are in this text. Show me who you are. Show me who I am. Show me in the text. And then what he shows me, I write down, I journal, and I'm looking for ways. How can I put this in a sermon? How can I share this with somebody? That's this dynamic at play. So your Bible reading and study and encounter with Jesus in the Word is an opportunity for you to learn, and then you can literally teach somebody within five minutes what you just learned. Are y'all hearing me this morning? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to demystify this for us. Whatever you learned, go teach somebody else. If you're a greeter in the church, go find somebody else to greet with you. If you make coffee, go teach somebody how to make coffee. In the business world, they talk about the best leaders are those who make themselves replaceable because they're developing all the people around them to do what they do. That is a, business, that is a kingdom business principle. It's called go and make disciples. <laughs> so I want to challenge you 
next Sunday. Next Sunday is Sharing Sunday. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun little coincidence? Because what that tells me, because we are a gift of teachers, we're a gifted church of teachers, that tells me our Sharing Sunday next week should go for three hours because all y'all got something to say. You got seven days? You're going to learn something this week. I promise you. You ask ask the Holy Spirit. You ask Jesus when you encounter something. Let's just pick the, the worst thing that happens this week. This is what I want you to do. When it happens to you, chip tooth, whatever. Jamie said, do this, Jesus. Jesus, what what do I need to learn that I can't learn any other way than chipping my tooth on this salami sandwich right now? And then listen. Fair? Sunday service should go three hours because all y'all should have something to teach. That's what 1 Corinthians 14, when you come together, each of you bring a lesson, a revelation. No passivity. All right, I'm gonna invite the band up. I invite the band up. We're gonna sing one last song, and we're gonna be dismissed. This is what Jesus wants to do at MCC. I'm gonna invite you to stand. I invite you to stand and close your eyes. I'm gonna read a story. Then we're gonna sing. I want you to just picture this story as I read it. This is what Jesus wants to do at MCC in every single person in this church. Here's the story. Jesus has just been raised from the dead. That very day, two of his disciples were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, And besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself.
So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. So he stayed with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, listen to this, church. Did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. Jesus, we want to be those whose hearts burn as you teach us in the scriptures. We want to be a fellowship of the burning hearts here at MCC. We want to be a place where we are looking at the scriptures and encountering you, our Savior and Lord. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would burn in our hearts the truth of Jesus. I ask, Father, that you would point our eyes at Christ, that he would be our all in all that we would be willing as a church family to forsake all things for the glory of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you do this supernatural work within us? Give us eyes for Jesus and give us hearts that burn for Jesus in the word. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship him. Let's worship Jesus.
come to me by grace through faith you have access to the Father and then you have poured out your spirit on all those who have come to you and we honor you for this story it is the worldview of all worldviews it is the great story of all stories you are the great hero of all heroes you are the great victor of all victors you are the great I am Jesus and we dedicate our lives to you dedicate our church to you. We say that in Christ alone, may we teach and may we preach and may we minister and serve and equip. Jesus, you are the head and we look to you and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Be at peace, church. Be at peace.